0: Man, thank you, Deb. Thank you, team. I am fired up to share with you this morning. I've got the big Bible here today. We're going to go old school Bible study today. Are you ready? Just check with the person next to you. Ask them if they're ready to get into it this morning. Ask them if they've had a coffee. If they're ready to receive something from the Lord. And uh, we're going we're gonna to get into it. We're going to have some fun this morning. I really believe God's got something to say. And we're going to build on the back of last week. Um, if you missed last week, last week was a message... Uh, that I called like a child. It was from that passage that we see in the Gospels where um, some parents brought their children to Jesus. The disciples thought that they were bothering, they said, Don't bother Jesus. And Jesus said, Let them bring the children. He actually made a point out of this. He said, Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Okay? And I posed this question of how good are you at receiving, in particular receiving from the Lord, what he has for you. Are you a good receiver when someone gives you a gift? What does that look like? Are you an awkward receiver? Are you a terrible receiver? God has so much for us is the point. And this week we're going to dive deeper into that. And I know we've prayed a lot, but I want to pray as well because I really think that God's got some stuff To do right here in the room and for those who are joining us online this morning. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are here, that you are present, you are here with us, Father. And we thank you just for your presence because this morning, as we get into your word, we pray that you will be the one who will bring things to light, that by your grace we will receive your truth. We'll receive revelation into that truth, Father, and you'll even show us what it looks like to take that truth and to see it in action in our lives, Heavenly Father. So we just welcome you to this time. pray for the people around us this morning, just that you would bless them in your grace as well, that you pour out your favour. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that the... uh, Queensland state of origin team is the far superior team over the New South Wales team in Jesus name amen amen come on yeah i had to get it in somewhere all right somewhere let me redeem this if you've got your bible second samuel chapter 9 come with me second samuel 9 I'm going to read this whole chapter, all right? As I said, we're going to do, this is a bit more Bible study method this morning. So we're going to read this whole thing and then going to pull it apart a little bit. 2 Samuel chapter 9. In my Bible, it's titled, David's Kindness to Mephibosheth. Now, pray for me, because today in my message, I'm going to attempt to say Mephibosheth about a thousand times. If you just turn to the person next to you and say Mephibosheth five times quickly, you'll see, you'll see what I'm talking about. I did think through how I would tackle this, and I thought, like, good Australian culture, we shorten names and we add an O, right? Dave O, John O. And so I thought of calling him Fibbo. Um, but it just felt too sacrilegious, so I'm gonna go with the full name. Alright. So when I stuff it up, just don't laugh too loudly. Okay. Second Samuel 9, it says, One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Zeba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Zeba? The king asked. Yes, I am. Zebah replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show kindness to them. Zebah replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Zeba told him, at the home of Maker, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Maker's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth Bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Zeba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him and to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, Yes, my lord the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, From then on, all the members of Zeba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. There we go. What an incredible passage of scripture. What an amazing situation. And I don't know um, if we can quite grasp exactly what's going on here without understanding some of the context of what's at play and perhaps if we do that then we'll realise just how incredible this situation was and so Mephibosheth's life was a tragedy and so firstly we know that he's crippled in both feet and the scriptures actually record what happened in 2 Samuel 4 we can read about it and the Scriptures tell us that when he was five years old, the news came that his father Jonathan and his grandfather Saul had both been killed. And so when you're five years old, that's, that's a tragedy right there, right? That's a big start, but there's more. In the same passage, it tells us that when the news came, the nurse actually picked him up and tried to run away And fell, and in the process, that's how both his feet were injured, and he was crippled for life, right? And so being lame in both feet was a huge challenge in that society in that time. Uh, There was no government assistance, and it seems from what we can tell through Scripture, he didn't have a lot of family support either, and so life would have been extremely difficult for him From a very young age. So, if that's not tragedy enough, right, as a five year old boy, the second thing to this that we need to understand is that in David's day, a new king would generally wipe out all the descendants of his rivals so that there would be no one alive that would have a legitimate claim to the throne. And so when they came into power, they would simply send out people to kill the family of all their rivals. And so if you think about this situation where when he was five years old, word comes that his father and his grandfather had been killed in battle, it's very likely that his nurse was so fearful for their lives that that's why she picked him up. To try and flee. It was time to hide because if they were dead there's a fair chance that the king would be sending someone to take him out as well. And so clearly David had not done this right because Mephibosheth was still alive but in saying that Mephibosheth still had to live his whole life knowing that there was always the possibility Of this still happening. He had a claim to the throne, and at any point in his life, he could be killed for being a descendant of Saul. And so, what we can gather from this text is that there's a fair chance that he was laying low by living in a place called Lodabar. He was probably hiding away rather than living, remember. Saul was king. Uh, That meant he would have had a lot of things that came with that. But rather than living in the blessing of that, Mephibosheth was living in Lodabar. And how fascinating is this? Lodabar actually means nothing or no pasture. And so there he was in that place. And there he is and he's living in this place absolutely tragic life and maybe you can identify with him in some way that you've had some real tragedy, you've seen some things in your life, maybe from a very young age you've known some challenges in your life and at this point in time you're listening to what he's been through and you think like I can understand what it's like to actually live with this tragedy but here he is living in this space, the king calls for him and suddenly He's got an invitation to come and sit at the king's table and live there for the rest of his life. All because David decides he wants to show kindness to someone. Isn't that amazing? This, is, this would be incredible for him, right? Until he gets there and talks to David, there's a fair chance he's still thinking that he's going to get summoned to be killed, Right, and David's like, I'm not bringing you here to kill you, rather, I want you to come and sit at my table and eat for all the days of your life, and I'll restore everything that was your grandfather's. This is amazing. I don't know what he was eating in Lodabar, but now he's this is like, man, steak every day, lamb. I don't know where this is in location to the coast but I'm seeing like crab and like this is really good news for him, okay. He has hit the jackpot and I wonder, I wonder if you've ever had an experience where you've been invited into a place of undeserved privilege yourself. I I had a time when there was a big boxing match coming to Brisbane and a mate of mine called me up and he said, Dan, we're going to the boxing and better than that, he said, I've got VIP tickets and I was like, you beauty, I don't mind watching a bit of boxing and I'd never been to a live boxing match before, I'd only ever watched these these big matches in the pubs and that's always crazy because when blokes are watching boxing they start to think they're Muhammad Ali and there's always blues going on and anyway I'd never been to a live boxing match and so I was pretty pumped for this. It was being held in town at the showgrounds and so the night came and uh, he came and picked me up and we drove in there and there was people, there was, there was, it was a huge event right and so we got into the car park, there's people and cars everywhere but of course he flashed his VIP pass and we went into the VIP parking and then we get an escort to the door where everyone, you know, all these plebs are lining up <laughs> and we just flashed our VIP pass and in we go right and I was loving this and then from there we get escorted to the VIP area. And the boxing ring's down on the ground level, but we are on this elevated platform, right? That's where the special people sit. And <laughs> so we get to sit up there, and for all the undercard fights, the fights that happen before the main fight, uh, you get to sit up there. And I was sitting up there, and it was, it was amazing already. Our view was spectacular. And then just to top it off, they bring out buckets of KFC chicken. Can you believe that? I was in heaven and then it came to the main fight and you have the option as a VIP of staying on the platform or going down to ringside seats that have been reserved for you and they're so close that you can get sweat from the boxes or blood, whatever it may be, you can be right there in on the action unbelievable night hey it was amazing and I mean I tell this story but it doesn't quite compare to Mephibosheth's situation right and I don't know when you're thinking about your position of coming into undeserved privilege if it would compare either but I think we need to try and get our heads around just how incredible this really was. And I want to to show you this, okay? I want you to see how amazing David's character is as king. Because David was the one who facilitated this whole thing. And it's actually in the context, David, if you were to read the chapters either side of this one, you would see that David is going to battle and he is having victory. No one can stand against David. And so it's in this place of victory that David makes a decision to show kindness and to honour a promise that he had made many, many years before. Now this is a big deal because if you know what you're like yourself, it's very easy when things are going well in life to forget about being kind to people. When things are really good, it's easy just to settle in that place, to soak it up and to forget about the needs of other people. And yet here was David. Things were going great. No one could stand against him. And in that place, between battles, he remembers that he had made this promise both to Saul and to Jonathan to not wipe out their family and more than that, to bless their family. That's an amazing thing. He's also in a position where he could have anyone do anything for him, right? He's in the position of power. He could could ask anyone to do anything and yet here is this promise that comes to mind. He's made it years and years before There is no one that can actually keep him accountable to that promise and yet he chooses to do it instead. Isn't that amazing character? It's amazing integrity what he shows in this place. And instead of doing what other kings would have done in that situation, he calls Mephibosheth forward and he restores the land to him and invites him to eat at his table just like one of his own sons. Amazing. This is why David is such an incredible leader. And I want you to see this today. This is not just a historical record of some events that took place. That's what, not what we're reading But we are reading a passage that points us to God and reveals just how good he is. And I want you to see this, that just as David treats Mephibosheth, God treats you and I. That we are actually meant to see this situation as a situation that points us to seeing and understanding God's kindness and God's goodness. And so I want to show you some of the things. There's a whole stack of parallels or types in this passage that point to this. And I want to show you a few of them this morning. First of all, Mephibosheth comes and he calls himself a dead dog because he is aware that he is nothing before the king and more than that, that he has a death sentence on his life. And in the same way, we come before a sovereign heavenly, all-powerful, almighty God and our sin positions us for death and separation. This is the reality of the gospel, that we are the dead dogs waiting for the life sentence to be called on us. And the Bible says this, in Romans 6, it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God, the free gift is eternal Life. And so, for anyone in a place of sin, there is a death sentence over our life. The death sentence means separation from the King, from the Father, from the Creator for eternity. And so, we find ourselves in the place where we are the dead dogs until Jesus comes into the picture. And that's where this is incredible, also. So David, the Scriptures say David showed kindness, this word kindness that he wanted to show to someone. And this word kindness in the Hebrew is the word kesed. And it actually means this covenant loyalty and faithfulness. And so for us, I'm not sure if we always understand just how powerful the meaning of covenant is. But David recognised that there was a covenant relationship here in place and he did not want to be the one to break the covenant. And in the same way, God's commitment to his people is often referred to as a kesed covenant. And it's the grace, the kindness that he has that gives us an invitation to come to him, right? Are you with me? Okay, I'll show you a few more. Just like Mephibosheth, we get invited into the king's presence, right? Now, in the king's presence, everything we need is found. And I'm not just talking about crab and lobster. Uh, I'm talking about everything we need to live Under the king and with the king for the life that the king has for us. Everything that is found in his presence. Now this is a great picture because it's not found in Lodabar. It's found with the king, right? Lodabar means nothing. It's found with the king. We need to be in the king's presence and the king invites us into his presence. I love this, if you really want to pull this apart and have a look at it, you'll see that Zeba referred to Mephibosheth as the lame son. You realise that? That's, that's the label that he put on Mephibosheth. But the king never called him that. The king called him by his name. And we live in a world where many of us have had labels stuck on us, labels that are not about our true God-given identity. They may be even labels that have to do with something physical with us. But people stick these labels, these untrue labels on us, whereas God comes and he calls us by who we really are because he's our creator and he knows us. Few more. King adopts us into his family. The king invites us into relationship. There will be a day when the king restores everything that the enemy has taken. That's an encouragement for someone here today where you are feeling the tragedy of this. The king blesses us beyond what we can actually imagine. We get to be Mephibosheth. Right? and receive all the king's goodness. In Psalm 20, 23, it says this, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Now, are you with me? Are you seeing how amazing this is? All right, so if we are Mephibosheth, then I want you to turn to the person next to you and let them know that they are a prince or a princess, right? We are invited, adopted as a child of the king, all right? So from this point forward, you may want to be referred to as Prince, Prince Daniel. Uh, That's okay, all right? I'll accept that. So here's part of the tension in this passage that we have to unpack. It's hard to imagine that Mephibosheth would ever actually knock back the king's offer. Right? When the king is putting all this forward, can you imagine Mephibosheth's response being like, a, Oh, thanks for the offer, mate. Like, I'm cool in Lodabar. You know, it's all happening in Lodabar, right? I'm just going to chill there. You stick with the lobster. I'll go back to whatever they eat in Lodabar. It doesn't make sense, right? Because the offer seems too good to be true. And this is the good news. This is the gospel. And this is the invitation that the Father gives to all of us. But here's one of the challenges One of the challenges is that sometimes we can come from a position that we are the dead dog, that we can be confronted by the sin in our life, by our past, by the weight of things that have happened, decisions that we've made, things have happened to us, and we can have this sense of feeling unworthy. And the king makes this offer and yet we think, who am I to actually receive this invitation? And if that's you and you're here in this place today, then I want you to hear this, that you are worthy because the King says that you are worthy. That's why you're worthy. And I encourage you, if you're stuck in this place, today is the day to let the King, his invitation, come to you and for you to receive what he's offering to you. Today is the day for that. When I actually live... With an awareness that I am a prince or a princess of the king, then my life is going to be different. My life is going to be impacted by that. When I live with an awareness that my heavenly father is the king, the things that come at me in life now seem ridiculous in many ways. Think of some of the challenges or the things we get upset about. When all we really need to be saying, when the enemy comes against us, is like, you are ridiculous because my father is the king over everything. Right? It positions us differently when we actually walk in an understanding of this. At the same time, we can walk out our lives with little understanding of this. So we can be aware that there is a king But we stay comfortable in Lodabar even though there's a king somewhere, he's reigning and and maybe I've even heard that he's good but I'm going to stay outside of that place. So we have an awareness of something but not a full understanding and we haven't actually received anything from it. And then of course technically there are people who just reject the invitation altogether. The king says, come and sit at my table, and they say, no, thanks, not for me. This is the reality of this situation. And so we've got to be careful that we are not the people who find ourselves in Lodabar. right? Because there's this invitation constantly from the king to say come and receive my goodness and maybe there's moments where we are actually hanging out in Lodabah when the king's saying come and sit at my table. Are you still with me? All right. Who loves the Old Testament? Yeah? It's good. We need it, right? All this is pointing to an amazing saviour. All of it. And so interweaved in these moments in history, we get to see God's bigger plan at work. That's how amazing God is. All right, I'm going to land the plane here. Um, Team, you guys can come up. There's another passage in Luke 14 where we hear about a banquet. And Jesus is telling this parable about a man and he's holding a banquet and he sends out all the invitations and when the time comes for the banquet to start he sends his servants out to get the people and all that he gets back is excuses and in particular he gets excuses from people who are saying now is not the right time for me we're not coming And the man's response is, well, the banquet is going ahead. So he tells his servants, I want you to go out and find people who are going to come to the banquet. Go out and find them. Wherever you can, go out and find them. And the implication in this text that Jesus is giving is that there will be a time when it is too late to accept the invitation. That there will be some people who will miss out and that the day, when the day comes, we are all called to respond to the invitation in some way. And this is what it says in the Bible. Philippians 2 says that God elevated Jesus to the place of highest honour. He gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. He is above Everything, no one escapes, no one gets away, no one sits outside of his power and his greatness. Every person will sit under this. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here's the point. The question is not whether there is a good saving king. It's not actually a question. The question is what will our response be to the invitation? The invitation to come and sit at the king's table. The invitation to receive this identity. As the King's child, as one who receives all the blessing that the King has for us, what will our response to the invitation be? You know, for some of us, it's going to be a first time response. perhaps you've never thought about this, you've never understood it fully, perhaps you're searching for something and you've never even known that there is a God who is a creator God and He loves you so much that He sent His Son to actually save you and bring you into relationship with Him, that He's got plans and purposes for your life. And maybe today is the day where you say yes. I want to say yes to that invitation. I want to say yes to having a king who is good, who is going to bless my life. And maybe you're here today and and you find that you're in situations where there's times where you live as if there's not a good king. And you're ducking out of the king's palace and jumping back into Lodabar. And you find yourself in that place. And maybe today's a time where you say, hey, I have to say yes again back into this invitation to come and sit at the King's table. And so I want to give every single person here, everyone who's listening in online, this opportunity this morning, this invitation to have new life with Jesus. You know, I was, I was someone who believed in God from a very young age my mum was a Christian and she used to take me to church she used to drag me to church most Sundays but I went and even from a young age I could see I knew I had faith that there was a God that He was a loving God but it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I actually cho- chose to live for Him, that I surrendered my life to Him as Lord. And I started to live in a way where I was receiving all the goodness that He actually had for me. And you know, there were seasons in my life where I actually became aware of how good He was, but for various reasons, I said, no thanks timing's not right it's not for me and I rejected his invitation and it got to a point in my life where I said I'm not going to reject that invitation anymore I am all in I'm in the palace I'm eating everything on the table I'm all in and I've never looked back from that place and so I want you to hear this today is that God is ready at any time He's ready today. He's ready for you. The invitation is there. And it's a life-changing invitation. It will take you out of one place and put you in a place of completely undeserved, incredible favour. That's who the Lord is. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask us all to pray, to bow our heads. And just talk to God this morning. I'm going to pray, but you're gonna, you might want to pray in your heart and just talk to the Lord about what He's saying to you this morning in this place. And so Father, we just thank You this morning. We thank You for Your kindness to us. We thank You for Your covenant, Heavenly Father. We thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You, Lord, that You loved us so much that You sent Your Son to die in our place. That right there in that place, Jesus paid the price for our sin. Also that we can be free from that and we could come into relationship with You, that we could come into Your presence. This morning, Lord, I just pray for those who are in the room this morning and they want to say yes to Your invitation for the very first time. Lord, we thank You for what You've been doing in their lives. Thank You for what You're doing in their hearts right in this very moment. And Father, I believe that there's a point in time where we say yes, where things shift, eternity changes for us, Lord. And You come and You meet us and You indwell us by Your Spirit, Father, and our lives are changed forever. I pray that right here in this room, that that would be taking place this morning as people say yes to you. Father, I thank you for the work that you're doing in stirring hearts just to turn back to you, Lord, to say yes, to put faith in who you are, that you're a good King, that you've got good things, Heavenly Father. And so Holy Spirit, right now, just as we come into this time, of worship, I pray that you continue just to move in this room and in your grace that hearts would be opened up to you this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.